we're recording. Welcome, Josh, and we will um, let go of the video and we will just speak with all uh. <laughs> You're very, wow. very welcome and thank you for um, taking the space to chat with me and allow us to share it with the public. And thank you for the invite, Michael. So the first thing that comes up straight away is that your video won't work on your laptop. So have you got some blocks with technology? Yeah, I think so. Or I blocked it so long ago, I can't remember how to fix it. <laughs> I haven't used my camera for quite some time. It, 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 the version of you that didn't want to use the camera and block it, are you still in that same space now? Or where do you see that now? Um, oh, I'm happy to use my camera. It's just a matter of if I'm going to use it, I want to be able to have that control over it so it's not you know, randomly on and I'm not aware of it. It's definitely a, um, a learning curve to be working how to turn it on and off when I don't want to use it. Have you been in the world of... Um online interviewing or working online sharing practices or teaching or has it all mostly been in person or well, always in person this is my first podcast Woohoo! <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah i was re really um excited incited um in the last few days to chat with you it's actually yesterday morning when i was preparing to be ready for our scheduled space. I, I, I was ready about a half hour beforehand and I was flooded with um, gratitude for, for you and our connection. And it was really interesting how it ended up not happening then, but it was still brilliant because the gratitude allowed me to see into more into our connection, which then snowballed into two podcasts I had with two of my other connections that were amazing. And I feel our connection supported that due to me feeling into that gratitude. And I, f I feel often between me and other men, sometimes a wall comes up with me where I no longer feel safe. And then I no longer feel gratitude for that person because it's not safe for me to feel gratitude. Um, which is obviously some block from the past of protection. Um, so it's really nice for that vault of um, gratitude to fully open up again, which is really, really nice. Yeah, well, that's awesome. <laughs> I um I actually had a bit of a experience. The morning we were supposed to have our first meeting, as you said, and um, if I have something is coming up in the future, it's very, um, it's very in my body, and it's very, it's like saying, "Hello, hello, hello." Even if it's tomorrow, it's still going, "Hello, hello," and it pops up. I don't know, a number of times in the day. Anyway, last night it was, or in the morning, it was, um, I connected with you and there was like this kind of like an influx of kind of light into my room. And I was like, oh, that's Michael. Great, cool. All right. And the same, within the same few hours, I was actually disturbed and woken up by a, a rustling noise right near my head. And that rustling noise, when I turned the, my torch on, was a huge centipede. <laughs> in my bedroom <laughs> and um most, most people go oh that's scary well 
um, uh, you know, I've had a few experiences with centipedes before and they usually represent for me, if it's at the window or a, a way in or out, it's, um, and it's just sitting there. It's a sign of um, abundance is coming. So I was like, cool. <laughs> That was my experience. That was my experience with you in um, in the middle of the night <laughs> with the centipede. <laughs> and tell me more about the centipede. I, I I'm not getting any visuals on a centipede. Uh, a centipede is like a a bit like a a, a snake, but it's as long as your as wide as your hand. If you put your finger your pinky to your thumb, and it's got, it say a centipede, meaning hundred, but really it's probably about thirty to fifty, and um. People are usually scared of them and they're really tough. Like if you try to stand on one, it'll keep crawling. If you, you know, try to injure it, it'll keep crawling. It's just the, one of the toughest things I've ever seen. They, they live in the ground normally and somehow it made its way up to the second floor into my bedroom. And the room's relatively sealed, like quite sealed. So somehow I found a way onto my, my sill and it couldn't, it kind of, you know, it wiggles and it crawls a bit like a snake, but it's got legs instead of a body that makes it move. And um, it was just, it couldn't get off my sill. So I'm thinking, how did it get on my windowsill? It's the weirdest thing I've ever, I've ever experienced, just sitting there and crawling across back and forward. It couldn't go to the wall because the wall's too slippery. So yeah, it was, um, and then um, in the earlier night, we actually had a, a centipede in the house downstairs, which I removed that one. So uh, either it's two or the same one, I'm not quite sure. But it was a, a sequence of... Um, two creatures in the same night. And that's usually to me is like, okay, the animal kingdoms talking to me and connecting to something. And with um, communications with animals, um, how does that work for you? Or how, how is that language or connection? Um, it's, it's definitely not linguistic or language. It's more like, it's definitely more emotional uh, for example, if I look over and I see the chicken in the chicken um, in the veggie patch and it's fluffing around, uh, I kind of connect with the, the the chicken, and our chickens are more like friends than pets, so to speak. And um, it's having a joyful experience in the light, and it's fluffing everything up, and it's it's going, oh, this is so amazing, and I can feel the excitement coming off it and the joy of the chicken fluffing in the dirt. <laughs> So that's the, uh, it's more transmitted, definitely visual because I see it and, but then I connect and then I get a, the emotional feedback of what the actual chicken's experiencing. So that's kind of how my body decodes it. And um, that's generally with most creatures, especially if they're um, not, um, what do you call it? If they're wild or if they're not humanized, so to speak, they're let to be themselves more. And how has your um, connection evolved with wilder species and animals? Have you been dealing with wild animals all of your life or has that been an evolution? Uh, it's definitely increased in sensitivity. Like um, in the last 10 years, it's, it's ramped up to where that relationship or that communication is more accurate between the animal and it's shared without any there's no, you know, landmines or there's no walls between me and the creature. I used to have it as a child, but I didn't really consider it, I think, because 
I guess the humans say one thing and when they say one thing, it's not the experience I'm having with that creature. So it, the, the relationship with the creatures tend to take a back, a back door or it's on the backseat, it's over there somewhere. And then, you know, humans become this dominating kind of experience. And I kind of left it alone for a long time until I decided that I wanted to be a little bit less around humans and because all those landmines and those walls with humans, I, I just started tuning in, I guess you'd say with the earth and, these creatures that are just sentient and just being themselves. And um, so as I related more, it seemed to increase in sensitivity or obviousness. So I think the more you engage in something, you become more sensitive to it because that's what you're choosing. And um, so yeah, it's definitely a lot louder and it's like a automatic permission and knowing that I'm actually having a relationship. It's not, Oh, uh, should I connect with this chicken? <laughs> and Oh, I had something happen to me. It's more like, oh, and I walk up and I go, oh, they're having such a good time. And, you know, I can uh, have a chat to the chickens in terms of making sounds or I shush them off into their bed at nighttime, off to your bed, off to your bed. But there's a feeling of that, you know, they know I'm, I'm helping them protect them and I'm sending them off. And it is nothing. There's not, I'm not trying to pretend there's a relationship. There just is one there. And it's nice. It's really, um, it's very easy and it actually does bring a sense of joy. Had you um, pets in your home growing up? We had a few, a few little pets. My first pet I remember was uh, a little chihuahua <laughs> and uh, his name was Bo. And um, just a, you know, it was like just a chihuahua did its thing and it was very playful. That's my earliest memory memory of a pet. The second earliest memory of a pet was a pit bull, and that wasn't very fun. <laughs> but the, um, the pit bull wasn't my pet. It was my stepfather's pet, so that was a, it was a little bit aggressive, so to speak. Wow, and would there be any um, co- correlation between the pets in your dad and your stepdad in the shift of pets and shift of dads in the house? The, well, I think whoever rules, usually the pets are ruled by, you know, I've later to discover this just through observation and whoever rules over the pet with authority, that's usually the energy comes through the pet because, you know, the pet wants to say, okay, you're the boss, you feed me. And they usually are. Otherwise they get, you know, not fed or whatever. And um, so the stepfather, when he had his pet pit bull, he wanted to show me how strong the pit bull was. I think that was kind of showing, he's trying to show me how strong he was through his pet. But it was kind of a bit silly because I was only five years old and he's trying to get the pit bull to bite my forearm. And I'm just looking at like the dog and looking at the stepfather thinking, what are you, what are you, what are you doing this for? And the dog wasn't drawing blood, but it was, you know, it was kind of biting on my arm. And I, from a five-year-old's perspective, I'm looking at the dog going, this is, this is silly. And you can feel a fear kind of passing through but in the same instance as a five-year-old thing, this is a bit confusing. Like, uh, this isn't fun. This isn't joyful. This isn't anything really. We're just sitting, I'm just sitting here like a, on a pedestal and um, going through the emotions of this other person's, I don't know, desires or whatever he was thinking. But it was definitely um, his pet and not mine.
I think there's a saying when they say um, the pet is like the owner or the owner is like the pet. I can't remember which way it is. But there is definitely a strong correlation if you just, you know, observe the, the dog and the, or the dog or, as an example. You know, people, watch people walk down the beach and you, either the pet looks like the person or um, the, per, the dog acts like the person or the dog does the opposite of what the person wants. Because sometimes the pets are actually trying to teach the, the, the owner or the, the human of what they want and what they should be doing. What's um, what's really high in your awareness at the moment and um, firing up your belly? What 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 are you in at the moment that's exciting for you to talk about? Uh, it's usually the dynamics of energy exchanges or how the experiences I have with things. But really at the base level, it's um, the fire in my belly is the thing I could talk about all day, every day. And I'm always inspired about is the body and how the body interacts or you can direct the body to experience um, more of a reality rather than less. So it's really the body, my body and other people's bodies. I actually do more communicating with bodies than I do with people. And that's kind of my, my setting. I guess you could say. And how do you feel about that gift you have? How do you feel that's of service to yourself and others working with bodies? Yeah. I feel... Uh, at a previous stage it was amazing and inspiring to me but as I progressed I I felt um, hushed and quiet like my that ability was hushed you know it was like you can't really do this anymore um, and that was that that aspect has been a bit um, lonely I guess you could say because and how, how much energy do you get when you're inspired it's like infinite and um, I guess the last seven years or so it's been hushed or I haven't interacted with at that level that I wanted to. And so it's a bit saddening in some ways um, for the sharing of that with other, other human beings. However, for myself, it's still there. So if I do my own thing, that's for my own body and run those own, my own awarenesses and my own processes that I'm aware of, um, there's a joy and there's a strength there. And that's that's always there every day. I can access that. That's that's the cool part that I get to have. The other parts kind of just dropped off with other sharing it with other beings. It's a bit sad. So have you created any stories or any blockages in that to serve you or protect you at certain stages that don't serve you anymore? I think I've, I'm changing into something else and um, there's no stories around not doing anymore. It's more like the world has evolved to the point where I don't 
it's not received at the, at the place it could be received. It seems to the superficiality of how people function and what I'm offering. Um, I'm offering a lot more, I guess I could say, and because of the superficiality and also life gets in the way. Um, I was happy to deliver that at that surface level where most generally most people function, you know, they finish their day and they just go, I want to do a class on something and they, they think they know what it is and they have their experience, which is great. And then I'm operating at different places and doing different things. And I was okay with that. And then, um, and then as life progressed with, you know, running life and paying the bills and whatever else, everything else took priority to support people in a different way. And um, that's come to an end. So I don't really know what's possible now, where it's going to go. Like I do feel easy, feel the pull to you know, do workshops or do classes with people um, about these things. However, I think I'm at a resting period at the moment for a while. So maybe it'll open up at a different level and um, maybe it'll go back, but it'll, be, it'll go back and I'm in a different place. And what, what do you have to offer bodies? What do you have to share? Uh, offer the bodies, uh, the space that they, the human being can interact with their body at a level that they've always known and a way they can, they can access it easily and then go into that trust so they, they can access that trust and they can have an experience where they go, ah, oh, this is me and my body. And the space that I create is, you know, like quick, fast track uh, methods to get them to have the experience. And then if they have an experience in that, that space, it's, uh, it's like, you know, you rung a bell, it's, they've had the experience and they can take that with them and whatever they choose to practice it in. They might do yoga, they might walk, they might do breathing exercises. And um, so the space is what really I provide and also the space that's trust and they can trust themselves. So there's not that judgment, there's not that, uh, what does this mean? It's not too complex, it's, it's sincere. And so they can access themselves, access their own body. I'm going to interrupt you. Yeah. Um, so the thing that's firing up for me is, um, so about two, about, so around February 2018, which now is three years ago. Fuck, that's when I when I was um, living in your house in Cairns in the beach house. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's three years ago. That's crazy. Um, and I was getting uh, a Josh intensive and a Lorna intensive of hyper downloads of, I feel of an awful lot of what you've got to offer and what you've got to share um, individually and you specifically so much in terms of um, embodiment and body awareness and um, a way of looking at the world and at bodies and at yourself in a way that I'd never witnessed or experienced before a complete foreign a foreign remembrance um, <laughs> so it was just it, it, it was exactly aligned and exactly everything and I everything was beyond belief or beyond um, knowing or trust. It was just 
yes. And I, I had got to myself at a point in my reality where I could hyper receive and hyper listen, which is, was my, one of my strongest gifts that I had valued at that moment. And mm. I was dying to a lot of the ways I was giving to the world. Um, and I was redirecting that uh, giving to my body and reawakening the feeling of having that body awareness and the amazingness of that. Yes. And I've seen mirrors of this myself in terms of sharing here at Eden Heart Space over the last, last year. Is I got the privilege of getting this full immersive experience in your home 24 7 you could say because i was also living in the spare room in my own space so i was also getting awarenesses of how to sleep how to wake yeah. up <laughs> how to go how to go to sleep how to make my breakfast and it's not that you were telling me what to do or controlling me or trying to get me whatever i was just very available for downloads and very open to you sharing how you go about your reality and because i was so interested in trolled yeah shared with me insights that have been they've been um just kind of like bubbling up every so often and i've shared them with conversations with fucking hundreds of people and hundreds of moments within myself like i don't know how many people i've shared the experience of lying on your back in your bed and starting with the top of your spine and getting into your breath and putting a cushion underneath your knees and nothing underneath your neck and slowly vertebrae by vertebrae, out breath and in breath, slowly dropping down your entire spine until you get to your coccyx and gently dropping the knees and fully getting into that still incredibly um, flowy oneness feeling of your body being in alignment and the tension just fully dropped out of due to doing it so slowly. And... <laughs> That, 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 that download in itself, so like um, transformative, not just in that experience, because that births you into a, a space within yourself that ricochets and moves into all directions in all of your movements and um, um, choices in your day. It, it affects everything. It crumbles and dies so many versions of you that when you do leave that present moment and you go back to where you were before, you realize, fuck, it's all dead and it's gone. And it's, 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 it's scary because before I, I, I remembered how to do that movement with my body, that reality was okay because I was in it. There wasn't too much wrong with it. I was existing in it. It was fine. It wasn't, it was grand. Like, do you know what I mean? It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't everything that I wanted, but it was safe. Yet yeah. I immersed myself in this presence and this movement through passion and fire and realizing and knowing that this, this is my body, like this is incredible. Yet then <laughs> the moment of going back to old patterns, I was like, fuck, this, this no longer serves me yet. It's dangerous yeah. if I leave my body and leave my breath because this is such a polarized feeling of safe homeness but a different form of safety and a redefinition of safety and not a fear-based safety but a safety that means that i have everything and every gooey movement of my heart and 
even the feeling of moving my toe in those present spaces is amazing. Um, <laughs> and the thing I ended up, I ended up, so where, where can we, true, maybe I was probably in my second or third experience with yourself of being with you for a large amount of days where you so generously offered me into your whole reality. And when, when, when we, we, got, we, got to, we got to the next period when I went home and Thailand and I, ke- I came back yeah. and, and I stayed at you guys again. And we're at a, we're at a different stage then, I suppose. Um, we're, we're still in that, that, that <laughs> position of where Phil felt like t- teacher-student kind of feeling, yet a teacher-student connection between me and you that you, where it also came from your gratitude and um, always vocalizing your honor of who, of who you see me as and how grateful you are for who I am and what I'm choosing and always very complimentary and always um, supporting me and it didn't feel like it student teacher but because you seen me and supported me and felt the exchange that was going on between me and you and what was awakening into your reality and into the space which it felt for me that I was supporting however it felt more at that time like I was supporting as a equal balance with you guys to you would say to you specifically however now having the year in Eden Heart Space where I was, I've been offering myself very selflessly to the space, it's taking me a full winter of darkness to see what the people that have come here to live offered me. Mm. I was not in the energy of a lot of what I was offering them. And through space, I've got to see what they have been offering me, which offers me great reflection and gratitude. And I got to a point where I was living with you guys and I started to see mirrors and reflections of you and of myself that were beyond my experience. Hmm. And I was so unsure whether to validate them that they were beyond my experience and I didn't know. Or I did know and the awarenesses I was getting were true. Yeah. <laughs> so I, ha- I was in a realignment then of like, do I trust him more than myself? Or do I trust myself more than him? And it was a very, <laughs> it was a very interesting moment because there was no right or wrong, and it was just a matter of a choice. Because whichever way I went, I was going to get the downloads that were needed. Yeah, and uh, I think the beauty of um, it's uh, not quite sure. It's not a knife edge, but there's a. It's called floating, floating the being, so that they can be themselves and they see it all and they're going left to right, left to right, left to right, or down the center, down the center, what is it? And 
when all those doors open up, you know, there's a huge transmission and it's beyond. It is, it's not quite, it hasn't solidified yet. And I think that what you verbalize is perfect because, you know, am I a student? No, you're not. Is it, is it him or is it me? He's like, well, it's actually both of us. And then, you know, you take that, I call it like a, it's not quite a mirror. It's more like you're both co-creating a seed together. And quite often we look at, you know, the other person's past or whatever, but it's not the seeds being planted and co-created between both the gratitudes there. You know, I have massive amounts of gratitude when people are so open like you were and are to want to learn about what's there because it's not mine. It's everyone's it's yours. And you're so open to it. I'm like, how much do I give him? Okay. Uh, give him just as much as he's asking. Okay. And that was a, a massive amounts of information really energetically. And then you go to Thailand and you, you send me a photo um, and you're, you're digging in the gardens and you're, we're doing earthwork, we're doing earthwork. I'm going, ah, <laughs> that's like the bottom of the crucible. That's like, that's where you actually, you know, you instigate that by yourself. I wasn't there and you sent me what you were doing. And that's like the earth is the crucible where everything grows from and you're accessing the energy and you're engaging in it. And I'm going, yep, he's choosing. And I, and I was so proud of not you as like oh my you know like a student teacher thing it was more like just proud that another being has taken on and started their own journey which is it was yours it wasn't mine it was yours and then you did eden heart space i'm going whoa big you know big task <laughs> i could feel it i could feel you know, you what you're saying i'm going all right, he's stepping into this. And I could feel the mass amounts of vulnerability and like unknowingness of what's going to happen with people in your space and you know how sensitive you are. I'm going, now I just, you know, I was applauding you from halfway across the world or across the other side of the world saying, you know, good on you for being that open and jumping into a deep end because you, that's how you get everything. You get all the awareness um, of the space you are and then what people are teaching you and the gratitude you get from them because you know if they step into themselves they're going to be a potent being and they're going to share that with other people and you know that's going to help you in the future just by standing on the earth and they call you back maybe a year later or not or you know somebody else comes past but the energy comes back to you in some way and that space of being that is the only way i know how to um you know move humanity somewhere into some sort of better place because if you're not willing to create a space for people it's not yours it's not theirs but it's honoring and they discover themselves that's the only way i know that's going to be of true value because oh that's them it's not you it's you as well but it's not it's not a guru it's not some teacher it's like you're just opening up to yourself and that's the value in the future for what you're creating now it's already happened you know <laughs> i'm going to interrupt you again um, yeah the the vulnerability of doing that in hindsight is actually profoundly ridiculous to do that because i sit now in a space where there's just two humans here including myself and a variety of animals who are very sentient and very supportive of themselves. So they don't need much. They just need a bit of, bit of support to the human creations that they've been involved in. 
and they're becoming more and more wild and it's great and what's really vulnerable is that I know that up to 20 beings that have been here vulnerably one of those beings that actually is dead and committed suicide which is like 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 in a retreat that we held in ceremonies that we held in meditations that we held in seeing ourselves in front of the mirror and the vulnerability that that holds and that trust in the evolution and change of myself from then to now has changed and they have as well and there's versions of me then that i no longer desire to be because that was a version of me that was in the remembering stage of myself and that what was needed to become who i am now and i don't wrong it i love it and that, that's what it was yet it doesn't serve me anymore I've accessed another yeah. layer of gentleness in how I can be. Yeah. In the beginning, I'm often, because I like to really open up into everything, I'm bullish in the beginning. And I like to fire things open. And then yeah. it comes down into my roots and into the earth and it solidifies and it grounds. And I can offer then that version of me and that space in a lot more of a grounded way because I connect with that version of me. And then it offers me a portal to, to, to offer gently. Where at the beginning, because I want to share with everybody, because that feels like the way I can gain all knowing and all awareness, which it does. It also offers me to be a mirror of a lot of people in not so um, light forms. It can mm. be quite dark, which is me. And I'm also being a mirror of others. And I'm also embodying versions of me that I'm also loving and bringing that light into, which is very dangerous because I'm so public and open with my life and sharings and the space that's here. It makes me very vulnerable to people in terms of they could go one way or the other. And yeah. they could ricochet and meet a few validations of for sides of them to in a fear-based protection for example that could make them want to crucify me and my reality due to me opening them up to a world that they no longer want to be part of yeah which is really 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 vulnerable there is a question that i came across with that dynamic <laughs> And it was, you know, I, I had similar um, experiences and I had people trash my shop because they lost their mind, so to speak. And they came into my space and they're very open. And what I realized that the, if I look at the numbers of people I interacted with, those who were um, probably at one in 20 do lose, their, lose themselves because they've been opened up to something but they aren't committed to choosing that every day and they kind of realize it between two different worlds and they resent that space because it's too open so they have to close it down in their eyes and it's, it's about one in 20. um so after experiencing those kind of things i asked this question which is um what is required here with this person with this being and i spent three years saying what 
what's required here. And so I would listen and I'd be saying something um, and then it would go ding. Okay. They, they want this. Okay. That's that. And there's a kind of like a, it's like something that's a tuning fork and they go ding and it opens up and it's very strong. And I still, I'm not excited. I feel centered. And then I offer a certain amount and then because I'm opened up to that person, because that channel's opened up for some reason, it's something's required. I also am very aware of, um, once that conversation's coming to an end and I'm not getting excited, I cut it off gently and that's it. At first, when I first did it, it was like just all the energy I could give to them and they kind of bounced around a little bit and they, I think they didn't find themselves because I was putting too much of me in their universe. So by asking the question of what's required here, it kind of gave me more sentiment and also rather than like, as you may be aware of, an electric fire of sending all that ripping electricity through them or their universe to get something fired up and started. Um, now it's more like when I ask the question, what's required here? It's more like I have a breath and I go, and their breath wafts over into their field or into their body. And it gently opens something, something more like at the level of a flower or it brushes it gently. So if something does open up that, at that level of um, tenderness, then that person's that sensitive to receive at that at that level, and therefore it's it's going to be a I don't know it doesn't require much energy, and they're already at that level of seeking it. So, what's you know what's required here is when I try when I do connect, it's more of a soft breath rather than a, uh, an electrical fire. <laughs> and I I completely completely resonate, and I hear you, and I'm seeing you as you're in that. Um gentleness and it, it, it kind of opens me up then to like working with bodies instead of working um in other ways because you are sharing this breath and you're valuing the power of you literally just being centered and not even in excitement just being in gentle just even just listening to your heart rhythm as you're listening to that person just even if you're just literally observing your body while with them you could be offering them that resonance to gently open themselves like a flower instead of opening, getting a chainsaw and cutting off the top of the mountain and the lava starting to pour out. Um, yeah. And I believe that's, I believe that's um, one of the strongest things we can do. I believe there's more transmission in that process, which you described than trying to define something with words. And, and leaving the body out, leaving your own body out of the equation. That, that, and that's really conflicting for me because I feel that when I'm with somebody, I feel like I nearly can become them when I'm with them. And, yeah. I'm, and I am them when I'm fully in that hyper-receptivity. And I can share the entirety of what's going on in their body when I'm with them. And I can share in a communication that doesn't trigger them, that I'm telling them what it is, that I can share them in story form and share in a in a in an unlocking way that it might ding for them there or it might ding for them in the future and i wronged this when i spent time with you 
experience space with you because I gained awarenesses that I then would be popping into their mind on multiple occasions in the future. Um, yeah. Every time they heard my voice of that, that communication that I gave and they, then they therefore would be able to access myself, me vicariously and in some way take over my, my being, which I don't feel is entirely true. There's, um, there is an essence to it that is, but in the extremity of stopping that, it also stops a version of me sharing in a communication where I have a lot of power when my voice opens up with my heart. Yeah. Um, so that's why I've created this podcast so I can have these connections and conversations. And in some way I am accessing you when I'm speaking to you, Josh, and I'm able to say things that fire you up and then you fire up into where you want to go. In some ways you're probably coming through me and firing me up. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think, I think there's been a wronging of that in my world and I don't feel it is wrong. I feel there's definitely a space where you can do that. I'm sure to some people that it's not a safe thing to do and a safe space to do it with. Um, hmm. There is definitely a place for all of these different spins, for these different paces. Um, it's like... Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because the, chicken, the chickens, for example, are 1.5 kgs. <laughs> and... I'm about 69 to 75 kgs. You're probably about 70 kgs, are you, 80? So, uh, yeah, about 70. Um, Megan's about 60. Um, the dog's about 15. Different beings, it's not according to their weight, of course, but different beings can, can take different forms of force. Like, I could go from Colleen to abundance and they're literally Colleen's 10 times heavier than, than abundance the chicken so I mm. need to really breathe into my heart and realign myself before I pick her up because if I go to her with the same stroking sensation that I give Colleen I could scar her skin yeah. because she is so delicate and then I go to a flower and then it's completely different again so it's really important that I breathe in between everything I connect with. Yeah. But that's also... I, a, go on. I, I kind of see it like, um, if you ever heard, if you ever watched an old record player, they're going round really slow, yeah? You can see them going round and round. And the music plays and it's, it's the old music, it's slow, it's got beat and it's got rhythm. And that's one speed. And if you push it, obviously it sounds different. But now, we, if you've ever seen a, a CD player playing or when they're spinning, it's, it's going very fast. And then if you look at a, a hard drive in a computer, it's even going faster. And what I feel like, um, the level of interaction, which may, maybe this relates with what you're experiencing with chickens and dogs and other pe people and flowers, is um, once you hit that point where you're, you're aware of your your awareness especially in the upper house like the head is spinning so fast that um to be present with engaging with um another human being 
depending on what and where they're at and what they can handle. Sometimes it's uh, I drop, I don't drop out of my spin. I just kind of like move the record player needle into the center, <laughs> and it doesn't doesn't create as much wind. It's a bit slower, the the impact, I guess. Um, and sometimes um, a few different people or a few different scenarios, I can actually increase that spin. But generally, it's like if you're spinning so fast or you engage so intensely with your mind, coming up to a chicken, for example, it's more like, hello. And your breath is the spin and it seems so slow. But that's actually um, the more the reality of it, getting that the mind also engaged with the body and the heart and then the, you know, the fingers or the hands come out to touch. And, but in the same instance, you know, a snake can jump out from me and say, and I'm spinning. Um, and I realize I've always been spinning. It's just that I've engaged in a different um, part of that energy. That's already, already and always there. And it's, um, it's a bit of a symphony, I guess it's um, to be totally present with it. Cause it can hurt. Like if I'm, if I yell, for something or a little bit uh, oomph or a bit of um, bit too much physical and a bit of an emotional poof out through my body and the chickens are near me, they all, they kind of flinch and they run. It's like, Oh, I was like, Oh, I'm sorry. And then I realized my impact on the, these chickens. It's like far out. So how much energy am I generating and how sensitive are these chickens? And then so it's kind of like you're walking around gently in each moment even though you know that you could, it feels like you could hurt something. And that's, it's bizarre because it's the opposite to what, how we're taught in when you're a kid. Because I used to always fear I could, I didn't always feared that was going to hurt somebody. And I think that's true on some level with this, um, this energy we access. And um, I think the understanding of how to ask what's required and how do I express this, being really present with it, is the gift to each thing and it's also learning like that's what i'm it's all infinitely learning that expression with every single thing or being that you're you're interacting with and it's a beautiful thing it's definitely a a lifelong journey how do you um navigate navigate around being around other for example, men being a resonant being that resonates with your surroundings. Do you ever find that you would pick up ways of doing things and then catch yourself and be like, whoa, this isn't how I normally do things. What's going on? Does that ever happen with you? And then you look over your shoulder and you're like, oh, does my next door neighbor <laughs> do things like this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah i um um yes i've had that experience many times one of them was it's not happening so much now because of, i think i'm in going through a different phase but it was like when i was helping somebody like i was helping or just being with lorna and this is maybe four five six years ago and you know i see bodies and i feel how they move i can feel how they move and i can actually move like their body i can almost mimic it very quickly because i can sense what it's like so one of the people one of her one of the people's bodies i was i have sensed previously was her father's movement and he walks a has a very specific go -gomp, go -gomp kind of walk 
very earth kind of person, very square, doesn't like water, so to speak. He's very earthy. And um, anyway, he's not with me when this moment happens. And I'm, I was in a cafe at the time and Ron was working and I'm walking out of the kitchen. I'm very present. I'm watching my body. I've always listened to how it walks. I'm, I'm aware of how did he balance, how it moves. And I'm walking to the, the toilets and you know, it's a 40 minute, 40 meter walk. And I feel like I'm glumping like her father. I'm going, what is, what's that? I'm totally aware of it. It's not like it's a, um, it's as if somebody's talking to you, you know, like that's how obvious it is. I'm going, okay, that's not me. That's him. Instantly knew who it was. And then within three days, um, Lorna had an, had an awareness about her past and about men and her past relationships with men. And it was predominantly about the dominance of the patriarchal men and how much energy she just gave men because she idolized her father. And that, kind of and i was there and the reason this happened the reason i was aware of it was because i was getting like a prequel to something coming up and so when we had the discussion it wasn't a shock it was like oh i'm aware of this was coming up and something's going to unfold and i didn't actually do anything it was i was listening most of the time and i might ask one or two questions in a half an hour conversation and it unlocked something it went clunk clunk and it was like oh wow i've been doing that my whole life it's like yeah and she's like cool let's um let's get rid of that and she's like okay that was it it was very frank it was very plain at the end but i've had a number of those experiences with um people's bodies it's kind of like people's bodies are in mind but it's not it's it's kind of coming through as a uh, uh a parasympathetic experience and it's very temporary it's usually for a moment or two um that's one type of experience of other people's bodies. And the other one is um, like when I used to work in the kitchen, I had a chef there for three months and he did his way. He did his body movements. And suddenly I'm standing in the kitchen at a place and I can't move. I feel like I can't move this blender. It's like, what, why can't I feel like I move it? And then as I question, why do I feel like I can't move this? I get this whole image and the, the emotional feeling of that person going, this is where I want my blender, it's my kitchen. And I'm having that experience of that person. And I go, oh, okay, it, it can change now, but I get that feeling coming through my body. And it's, it's kind of, it's weird because I almost know the height of the person and everything of how they look at it. It's weird. It's almost like there's a signature of their energy in that spot, like literally in that geographic location, exactly in that spot. And if you stand in it, it's like a, a bit of a stuckness is there. So I have had this experience of other people's bodies and I'm, I, it's, it's, I could play it out, but I don't play it out. And I'm usually questioning them. What, what is that? And then like the, the kitchen one is an example. I could change it right then because it's just clearing up something that's old. But other ones are um, uh, for other people sometimes. It's not for me. And it's great that you can pick up on that so easily. Um, and so quickly, but due to your more in that embodied state than not being in it, um, kind of equilibrium, um, if not probably in it more. Um, I, 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 it definitely saddens me a little bit, but also again, forgiving and so glad that I'm here of definitely long periods of time 
in the last year that I have taken on other people's ways of doing things because I didn't actually know how to do them. And through mm. being inspired by them, embodying fully how they do it and taking on how they, like everything nearly, nearly becoming them. Um, like even in terms of how we built the 16 foot by 16 foot um, wooden structure in the homestead. Like I really did, and even as I feel into it, I really took on very similarly how my cousin Enda ate, how he drank his drinks, what he needed to stimulate him, the kind of hours he was working at, um, how he planned out the project. And even when I got blocked with something or I didn't know what was going to come next, he does a thing when he's building where he looks at every possible thing that could go wrong and mm. sees every possible next step. So you're not building up into something that you know what's about to go wrong. And that's very different how I live my life. I very live life in a very different way. Um, and of course, there's, a, there's an in-between that's beautiful, but I definitely feel I took on a lot of his ways of doing it, And that, I felt like that was the only way I could build this structure and maybe i can come back to building structures again now at a different pace and in with my own rhythm knowing that i can put structures together but i can put it together at a different rhythm and i don't need to be stimulated as much as i was at the time with so much coffees and sugary things and so much consumption to push out such long 12 to 18 hour days and then pushing so many people around me to push their bodies to also be at that rate and convincing myself and therefore supporting them to convince themselves that that was the this was a way of being that was in some way um amazing and a hyper way of being that was like um to be tried for and this was a a remembering and an activation and a remembrance of who we really were and techno music playing in the background and our heart rhythms going at a very fast rate and everything happening very fast um yeah not wronging this but also remembering that even when you are in summer in the long days there's definitely a balance with this and this on state does result usually in burnout and that doesn't need to happen that burnout hmm. um well maybe yes. um you're maybe you're picking up skills and the quickest way to get skills was to have somebody else there but with your your how you function it's you know, you amplify those skills in every facet of your universe. Cause that's the only way you can function is to amplify or create things. And, but you need to pick up the skills with that person. So they teach you, but the problem is, you know, there's a bit of a hyper going on and maybe a little bit of a burnout going on and it does happen. It does. Um, like I had the same thing when I was in the kitchen, I, you know, not a chef, never done chefing, never done hospitality. And here I go, I start off at a certain pace, but as soon as we get to a certain evolution of the cafe i had a different chef coming in and it was i was taking on their traits to a certain degree because i had to learn something i wasn't doing apprenticeship i was i was in in my own face creating my own way with my own business so to speak and um it actually took 
five years before I had a really experienced chef come in who was burnt out. <laughs> um, and I got the energy of the chef and I went, uh, it sunk in all sorts of different things, how to cut things, how to prepare things. And five years into it, um, it kind of, it dropped in the whole creation of being a chef. And I went, wow, that was like a bit too long for me, but that's how long it actually took. And in some ways I was filtering all those people through my field and a lot of it didn't work because they didn't want to be in a open space. They wanted to be in a you know, patriarchal whip it lashing kind of space that they used to. And so it kind of didn't work, but I need, I got a lot of experience and it's almost like the, you know, the consciousness of being a chef. That's how long it took to actually to finally hit that point after five years. And I'm okay with it, but I'm um, not going to do that anymore. Definitely not. I'm, I'm more likely to go, do I need to do this or should I get this person to do it for me? And then, you know, each step along the way, say, can we do it this way? And they might do it. And um, that's kind of like more so for me, I like pay somebody or get somebody to be involved in a project that I don't have the skills for. Um, ask, I'll be asking that question. And there's, there's definitely a value to the whole thing because I have paid people to do things in terms of even building this van on two different occasions and it never living up to what I feel it can become and not having that touch that I feel as possible. And that mm. touch that I was desiring, of course, was my own touch um, on, the, on the build. Go on. There's definitely a magic in... Like the, something I've noticed in woodwork, my, fa my father, he passed away when I was four and a half, five, but the, I don't have many memories of him. And he was a carpenter. My mum said he loved making things. He loved physics and things like that. And, and over all these years, I come back to doing uh, renovations of ho our home. And what I realized is that when the human being is putting a screw into to two bits of timber to bind those timbers together, the pressure of the thread and the two bits of timbers coming together and you tight, tighten it up and your mind's in that timber, there's actually a binding force that's holding it together. It's being witnessed by a being, but it, it's, it's a subtlety of the light that beings emit. It's a uh, bio photons. And they come to realize this. And so you screw these things, you build these things in your own rhythm, your own timing, you see it come together and it has a feeling because your energy is, um, it's like the you know one and two plus the third wheel, which is your alchemy, is binding together, and that has a a feeling to it. I don't know if everybody's sensitive to it, but it just goes that thing's really cool. It might not look the best, but something's cool about it, and it's something's um, it's been touched by another and witnessed by that human being that built it. I think that's the magic in you know antique furniture and um, homes that are built by the owners. There's a there's something that's magical in it and it's, it kind of reflects and resonates your own energy back to yourself. And it's so crucial what I found because I've gone from going hyper power tools to cut, to screw, to do all of these things, to feeling burnt out by it, to coming back and actually accessing a screwdriver with a screw. <laughs> and putting that screw in with this screwdriver, this piece of met this metal to this copper or to this brass into this wood, and through doing it with the screwdriver, witnessing first of all, this screw won't go into this wood, 
then getting another screw and then being like, all right, this is going to crack the wood. And then getting another screw and being like, ah, oh, this feels good. And it screws in so easy. No tension in my hand. It just screws in. And mm. my drill would have screwed it in straight away the first one. And I would have felt it, but I wouldn't have been aware of the feeling due to me not being aware of how the actual screw joins the wood together, which the hand tool offers me. Yeah. And then going to power tools now, I feel that I'm so much more aware of that screw going in at a faster pace, but that has happened due to me experiencing it in a slower, um, um, more um, slow down hand tool pace. So it doesn't mean I have to use hand tools all the time, but the hand tool is giving me the awareness and perception to allow me now to feel like I can create a safe environment for this joining of wood and metal together with machines mm. and tools because I have an awareness of a feeling while this is happening. That's the, that's the fundamentals of um, experience. And we kind of been taught to separate ourselves into get the goal done. And like if I teach a, I teach children, and I, I remember when I was a kid, nobody taught me how to be, how to engage with this stuff. But it, it applies to everything: exercise, your body awareness, the universe. And for example, the screw, I would get the kid, a child to hold the screw between three fingers and it's lengthways down the finger, and I have the tip of the screw in the finger, and then just get the screwdriver to screw it between the fingers, and they, you suddenly become totally aware of pulling power and the pressure of your hand in the screwdriver and the thread and how it actually works. So then when you engage with the wood, there's this empathy for the wood and then you know it's going to split or not because you felt it with your body. And I think that's the huge underlying factor of um, everything. Like, you, know, you ask people, what do you do when you walk or when you have a run? How, what's your technique? They go, oh, I push off the ground. It's like, it's not true. Not really. You can push off the ground because you, if you direct that, your body will do it. But have you tried to feel if your body pulls into the ground and they go, what? And it changes everything just because once you feel and you look for the way it's actually designed to work, suddenly your awareness says, oh, that feels different. And I, now I'm kind of getting it differently and I can explore with that screwdriver or my body running differently. And I think that's the main thing is to is to look for how it's designed, use it so you have a proprioceptive body, you know, neurological feedback. And then, yeah, yes, you can use tools, you can use running shoes or whatever, but that baseline is, the, is, is always gentle and slow, rhythmical, and um, yeah, it's like you can't get ahead of yourself. You've got to just deal with it. <laughs> so how do you navigate after... Witnessing this rhythmic, gentle, aware form of being to then being with someone you love and choose to be connected and to dance with. Hmm. And you're finding yourself being angry or intention or something else else that is looks to the outsider like pretty dark and heavy and suppressive how do you navigate when this is coming over you how do you go from that 
hyper gentle aware space to this coming over you what what is that process like um if i'm by myself or with a other person in the room or you know in my space well let's go with someone else first if somebody else is in the space and it's definitely heavy um I used to say nothing for a long time. I used to just wait and wait until something comes out. But what I realized was I'd be sitting in their uncomfortableness for a long period of time. And I did ask for many years. I'd say, is this mine? And every time I asked, is this mine? It'd go away. And if I didn't say anything, it would keep coming back because the person's in my space. So then now I'm at the point where I have less tolerance to waiting for the person to, you know, spit it out, so to speak, or whatever it is that's going on. So if I'm very clear in my space and I know I'm clear and then that thing comes over me and somebody's in my space, I'll go up to them and say, is everything okay? And they look at me and if it's theirs, it's just like, it doesn't attach to me anymore and it stays with them. And then I'm, I'm not affected as much or not at all. And usually that opens up discussion in a couple of days time because I'll, they might want to talk about it or, you know, a couple of hours later, I'll say, if you want to talk about anything, this, I'm happy to talk, you know, whatever. And that kind of knows that you're there, but you're not taking on their stuff without, without acknowledging it or saying something about it. Because that's, that's, the, that's the first one anyway. With, if somebody's in the room, I normally now just say something. and go, are you okay? Is something going on? Like, yes, no. And then, you know, go from there. Then going to being by yourself. Hmm. If I'm by myself and I feel a heaviness come over uh, and I haven't done, if I've done my own clearing, I've done my own Tai Chi breathing exercise and I'm clear and it comes over me, I'll say the same thing. I'll say, is this mine? And if it goes away, it's not mine. If it stays there um, and I, I can't get rid of it, so to speak, just by sitting and acknowledging it, I'll go for a walk or do some breathing. If it goes away, it's good. If it comes back again, I'm usually going, uh, something stuck in my body and then the heaviness can be my body but particularly if it comes over my head and comes down that's 90 times nine times out of ten it's not mine it's somebody else's but if it's kind of if i get moody or i can feel an expression or something feels heavy in my body but it's kind of everywhere i go is this me in my body and then i usually listen for a bit and then i can feel there's like a, a heaviness somewhere or a stuckness somewhere and i I'll breathe or do exercise or something. And if it goes away and I feel light again, I go, okay, something was just stuck. So one's definitely a body. One's more of a crown coming over the head, eyes and ears kind of sensation. And if someone continues to access you due to their, I don't know, whatever it is, they may, may come up in your dreams or in your experience and you may, may not have a connection with them anymore um, hmm. in communication with words like an um, informed connection. Does it get to a point where you feel the need that you need to communicate with them for them to show themselves and you what's going on because they're not choosing to deal with it? Or can you deal with it without their um, consent or choice? It, uh, it's the, if I'm dealing, if I'm processing somebody else's stuff and it's 
um, required, it's usually very easy and it's like that breath, like just transfers and something shifts and I'm not, I'm not drowned in something. But if something's really heavy um, and I'm meant to process something, it'll happen very quickly and I'll usually ramp up my energy and just like, and then just ask for change, like almost throw my hands at it to, to break the energy of it by acknowledging whatever, all that it is and go, that's all of you or that's all the energy of what it is and I'll be, whew, you know, that's it. And I might do it three times or five times and, I, and then I listen and then nothing else changes. It's like clear. I go, okay, cool. It's gone. That's sometimes that happens. Um, the other one is if somebody keeps accessing me and it's an old relationship or something that's not mine and they, I can't really talk to them or whatever, but it keeps popping up, I normally will acknowledge that because I am a communicative being and I, I'm, you know, uh, you can access me if you want to talk to me energetically, but some people have different motives or it's an old motive. So when, that, when I'm thinking about the person or engaging with them, I just go, ah, oh, so you're wanting to talk to the old me. So then what I do is I sense them outside of myself and then I just say, hey, this is, it's kind of like a mirror so they can see themselves. And usually when people see themselves energetically as a mirror, they, they, it's kind of like fulfilling the program of whatever it is. They go, they go oh, I can see myself. Cool. And they kind of get distracted. They go back to themselves and they eventually start to forget you within a few days or if you're a really intense kind of person, a few months. So they just forgot all about you because every time you receive it, it's just, you just disconnect from, but you set, you set up a mirror so they can see themselves because ultimately we're trying to look for ourselves and most people project it on other people. But really if they see themselves, they go, Oh, they feel a bit more content actually. And it just um, clear. It, it's a way of clearing the energy for other people and yourself simultaneously, but there's no actual dialogue or conversation gone, gone on. That was pretty full on, wasn't it? <laughs> well, this is my experiences anyway. I've had various um, things happen to me over the years. And, um, you know, I think the fundamental ones is, am I an infinite being? Am I accessing things all the time? Am I, would I communicate to all beings if necessary, if needed and required? Yes. So I interact with them in that way. And then I get the awareness of what to do at that level, you know, change it, disperse it, shift it, reflect it, whatever. But it's more like I'm still receiving what's required. You know, for seven years I spent receiving everything all the time. It was just too much. And then I realized, ah, once I asked the question, is this required? It would be, um, okay, I'm still receiving them. Just, it's just not required right now. <laughs> when you say it, is it required? Um, I feel I, I get what you mean. For others listening, what, what, what do you mean by required? Required for what? Required is like you're, the reason you're here on the planet. So uh, um, some, you have a, an experience energetically or emotionally you go from somebody else and you go, you know, am I here to do something about this? And that's another way of saying, is this required for me to engage in this? And you, that, makes, that brings me to the, I'm receiving it. I mean, fully present. And I'm willing to do whatever it takes to make this work, improve, change, go away, whatever it needs to happen. So I'm not avoiding or denying anything. So I'm being fully present. And so what is this required or what is required of me means I'm yet to go deeper into my 
energetic aspects with this energy or experience. And I can just, at first, it's a way of receiving it at the surface level before it goes deeper. Because sometimes if it goes deeper too quick, it just it drains you. And they didn't really want to feel that rejected because you've, you know, you've been asked, it's going to a deeper level and it can bring up too much trauma or whatever. So is this required? Is It's a way of, okay, I'm totally here, I'm totally present, and I'm accessing at the surface level, the first touch energetically between you and the other being or energy. Is the water hydro system that you're creating and wanting to be fully sustainable without a petrol generator, is it required? No, not right now. <laughs> um, but it, it's, you know, it's a, it's a thing that it's the quietest and I don't have to pick up petrol and I have to buy petrol and it costs me maybe a hundred dollars a year to run it and i have water flowing around my property um it's just like this miracle of earth and gravity and things moving and it's going to work you know it's just working by itself wow it's all happening by itself <laughs> so i it's not required right now but i think it's part of a process which uh like i said you know the pieces of my life and the animal kingdom and when things show up it's when everything comes together and something happens or doesn't happen, it's like, it's showing me there's something else changing now. And um, so I'm aware of it. Everything in my life is a lot bigger piece of puzzle than just, just a pump or something. Yeah. So who do you live with? I live with uh, Lorna and Tia and Finn, uh, a guinea pig, <laughs> four cats. Uh, eight chickens and a whole bunch of wildlife. <laughs> and the the outside the wildlife and the other animals, the humans that are there. What are your connections to them? Um, sentient. So the t- the way it came all together was well, me and Lorna got together, and it was. Uh, a huge convergence in my life so can you imagine if you were floating down your river and you saw another river coming up beside you alongside your whole life your whole universe and then you come into and they both merge into one river i literally had that experience energetically and visually with lorna um eight about eight years ago seven and a half years ago and um, so me and Lorna became hyper creators and we do what we do with our own workshops and things and our cafe, which is no longer. And um, what came along with Lorna was her two children. And I see two sentient beings that can be massively potent in the world and I'm willing to be here for whatever they, whatever they need or whatever they require or desire. So, yeah, that's... That's the brief outline of that one. And do you have any biological children? Yes, I have two boys with an ex-partner. The ex-partner, I call her. <laughs> and how, how is your connection to the, the ex-partner? 
Very few. I visit the boys once or twice a year now. It went from a scaling system from when I left consciously, very consciously, I left to choose to do what I need to do in the world. Um, it was, you know, a few times a week for a few hours at a time or even staying over at night time. And over a series of seven years, uh, maybe about six years, five to six years, it was too much for the children because of the division and the VX partner was putting me in her box of how I used to be. And I had changed so much energetically and perceptually that she was trying to um, overlay her beliefs, I guess, onto me and the children. And so every time when children come to me, it would create too much stress for them. And um, so it became less and less time with them. And it's actually really fine. It's perfect. It took too long for me to realize because um, when they were born, I didn't realize until about two, three years after spending so much time with them 24-7 and her, is that I was getting kicked out of the house. It was, they actually came into my life to make sure I was not with her. And that's really hard, bad to say, but, you know, I spent three years questioning this knowing without making a choice or a decision. And after three years of just watching and observing this intensity was, I was like, I'm not meant to be here. I'm meant to be doing something else. And Lorna had shown up and I was like, okay, this person knows what's going on. This being knows what's going on. And I got to know her a little bit, but the whole relationship had fallen apart with my VX. And I even asked her, had a, a gentle, a beautiful space I created to have a genuine, frank conversation with her. And it was very peaceful. It was very still, like infinite kindness towards each other. And I said to her, you know, what do you see happening um, with our fam with the family, our family dynamic, and she said, "I think, I think you're getting kicked out of the house." And I was like, "Wow!" So she, I didn't, I, and I was really being really um, perceptive and present with not trying to influence her. Let her speak for herself. And she said, "You know, we're. I think you're getting kicked out of the house." And after a few minutes of conversation, she said, "I can't believe this is so easy that we're breaking up." And um that our marriage is over i was like yeah it doesn't have to be does it? it doesn't have to be hard and um but it changed once i left because of other influences that she had from other people and um it got a little bit gnarly and it started influencing the children but the you know the the journey had been if i was very clear and i was very totally 100 percent sure of myself without needing any confirmation it would have been cut off and that would have been it seven years ago but because of this reality and relationships, how hard it is to navigate, especially when you're waking up to your own process. It took incrementally years to become less and less engaged. And it's quite interesting now because now I go and say, hi, how you doing? They go, hi, hi. We go out for a dinner or something on their birthday and they're, hi, bye, bye. It's, it's like there's, it's like we're just two beings hanging out um, doing our thing, but there's no, daddy daddy excessive or i feel bad or it's nothing it's just like hi dad how you doing we have dinner what are you doing blah blah blah. have a good chat and i see what they're doing i can perceive where they're going on their journey you know and i say if you ever want to talk to me i just give me a call or you know i, I gave one of my sons a, um, a handwriting set so he could write letters to me and i gave him my po box and you know so let him have some hand skills and just engage if he wants to so there's been a lot of a that's where it's up to now. And it's at the, what I say, where I think it's at is 
it's at the being to being level, even though it's a child and an adult, that's where it's at. Cause on paper, it could look so different to what you perceive it to be, which obviously you don't live in what things are perceived by others. And that that's brilliant. How do you, do you feel in any way you could support the boys that when they do grow up a bit more, that they're not just filled with the pictures and projections and beliefs that they've been surrounded by of what yeah. happened? Is yeah. there any way, do you feel the need to support those versions of them with where you're at right now? No, I don't believe that. Yeah, there's no, nothing's calling because it has to come from a different place. And the dominant energy, which is rightful, is that the, the mother has that connection with the children at a different level than the man quite often. And I witnessed that firsthand, being totally open to being there as a mother figure in terms of you know, nurturing and caring. But I wasn't actually needed for a lot of it. And I ended up being the mother for her. The, the mother which was not right so she kind of had to grow up a little bit and at some stage there will be a, a change in their perception due to them growing up and having a, a certain amount of self-identity and that energy when that changes they won't be under her umbrella it might be when they hit their teenage years and that change the energy will call and then i'll be there for whatever is required if it's many hours or less hours or you know frequent um, weekly or monthly or whatever it is or if they just say i don't like you dad or whatever it is it's it's not it's um but it hasn't changed the the signature of the energy hasn't changed it's actually first it's the first time really for the last half a year to a year it's been quiet um from them and they're not stressed because of our past relationship as parents um she's still contacting me energetically in some ways um because of her her own disposition but um, when they have that willpower and that self-identity and wanting to engage with me, it'll change and I'll know it. And that, I'm sure that I'll know it and I'll be there for whatever's required. Is there anyone from your lineage that's connected to them? In their uh, my, experience? Bro my brother and sisters, yeah. yep. I have um, a bunch of brothers and sisters and they're one sisters with, with my kids regularly. Um, one of my other sisters is there occasionally. And my two other brothers are occasionally uh, in, you know, once or twice a year, they might see them or hang out with them for short periods of time. And when they do connect, do you feel that that changes anything for you or the, or the boys? No. The, the odd thing about me is that um, I was the black sheep in the family. And this is where it's really difficult, I think, for most people to understand. But one of six kids, I was the fifth. And my father passed when I was five years old. He decided to leave this planet of his own fruition, own choice. And my stepfather was around. And through all the years of my childhood, it was like I was forgotten or not noticed because I was you know, invisible or just quiet. And I didn't speak much. I was very much an introvert. So... You know, my sisters and brothers have a projection of who I am or an understanding of who I am, but they don't really. And my mother and I have a few chats about it. And, you know, she says, do you have any, are you, 
resentful towards your kids or your, your siblings at all. And it's like, no, I'm actually very grateful because I wouldn't have got through all the, we had a lot of abuse going on in our childhood. I wouldn't have got through if I felt like my, my siblings took the brunt of everything and I slipped through the cracks to the point where I can wake up and I only realized that, you know, until my mid thirties and the gratitude was there in the thirties for them, even though I can't express that to them because they're generally caught up in, you know, the everyday life stuff and, and there's still pain in the universe from their past. And so it's, it's like I've slipped through the cracks. They just accept that Josh was something, but they don't really know what makes me tick or how I function. And they just kind of let it be in some ways, in a lot of ways, really. It's almost like they never really knew me. Yeah. And a quirky, a quirky and unusual journey for myself. And you, do you ever have desires to be seen by anyone in your lineage? No, there's, there's still some ties with my mother. And it, it's kind of healthy ties. It's, it's a little bit of that consciousness and and see where she's at. And it's nice to be kind to your mother who brought you into this world. I see, you know, a few times, a few times in a year. Um, but I just don't, can't relate to the massive amounts of um, gossip assumption, but nobody, you know, nobody asked me who I am or nobody asked me, what do you do, Josh? What are you interested in? What are you passionate about? Nobody ever, ever asked me that. And I used to say, what are you doing? What's, what are you up to? You know, and they'd always come back with what's wrong with their life. And I'd say, well, do you want to do something else? And I'd ask them if they want to talk about something else, but they don't. They talk about their, their problems. And i say, do you want to solve their problems? And they're like, no, they don't, they don't want you to fix their problems. So I'm like, well, there's no relationship here. <laughs> and I spent, I don't know, a number of years trying to create some sort of relationship, either helping them, changing things, working out what they're passionate about. But it just never worked. It just felt like I was, oh, Josh is into some weird stuff and he's doing his thing. And that that's it, you know. So it's I'm just too different. And I'm okay with that. You know, I always say the fam me for family is humanity. It's not just your lineage. And it, it's really difficult, I think, um to process that and let go of your family bloodline is your family. It's like, what if it's humanity? It changes everything, it changes everything in my life, my perception. And, you know, what, uh, how I function with my galactic or earthbound family, humanity is, you know, what's required here, uh, being kind and where can this go? What can we create? And that's kind of always there in front of me. And I'm, I spend more time waiting with that space there um, than trying to just have relationships because I'm supposed to because they're my bloodline or my lineage. I think that's, being bashed a lot for too long and we need to you know make our family humanity and start with kindness to ourselves and to each other when you uh, mentioned about your dad um choosing to leave um the leave the planet through his own from fruition his own choice and fruition um that, that what, what what does that mean well, as if I put all the parts together, I wasn't told much as a child, but um, my father was into biodynamics farming and also the esoteric aspect of it. And 
basically my family was infiltrated by my stepfather who was a man that was abused as a child he was an alcoholic and into the kind of like the, the tantra stuff and the, the magic the indian breathing stuff and so he was very an influential charming kind of person but he was very um he was very abused and tra- tormented by his own pain and so through a number of different things happening my father left my mother temporarily because of the influences from my stepfather and when he wanted to come back my mother said no fuck off go away and i think my father was at a stage of uh, hypersensitivity but couldn't have any support from anyone of how to manage that sensitivity um yeah my mum used to say oh your father doesn't like never used to like cutting the grass because he doesn't he doesn't like the feeling of what the grass goes through. I'm like, wow. Like when I heard that when I was twenty-eight, I was like, what kind of what kind of sensitivity did this man have? And so, you know, if I put the pieces of the puzzle together, it's he was super sensitive. He was very influenced because he got pushed around a bit by this stepfather. And when he got rejected by his most passionate relationship was with his mother with my mother and he had five kids at the time you know he just committed suicide he ran his car at an extreme emotional point in his life and ran his car into a truck and so he took his own life and there's so many different things that i see uh which might sound bad to most people but it's a you know if you don't grow up with a if you grow up with a without the loving man but you grow up with a poison tormented tormenting man um you see a lot and if you get past that you you might have a a few awarenesses about how to navigate your own life and the example for me was my stepfather passed away when he was 15 because he was older and he had a he had a heart attack and when i was told the news the news was broken to me by my mother he said you know this we used to call him the old fart because he was quite a, an abusive person, but he said, she said, the old fart has passed away. He's had a heart attack. And I sat with that for a few seconds. Like it kind of hit me and it, there was no resentment. There was no anger. There was no nothing. It was just like, there was like this knowing and like a dialogue of rebalancing myself or recalibrating myself. And it was, it was a moment of forgiveness. And I said, I said to him, the, the stepfather who passed away, I said, Thank you for all the things that I don't want to be or have in my life. And it was like a, I could feel the heart. It was like a, a warming in my chest of knowing that was, it was speaking from that place and I actually was forgiving him. And that's all these different dynamics with my father dying, my stepfather dying and the, seeing the trauma in people was, you know, it's a very deep gift and a strengthening for, for the future, what's coming and what has come wherever I'm going. And um, so it's kind of really hard to say back that it's all bad or good. It's more like, you know, I got put through a few different um, hoops to become more aware. And once I really was aware that I have woken up and become more aware, it's I was like, okay, I've got to really nurture this and put this into action and good use, so to speak, put me into the world for the reason I'm here. And in a really weird, selfish way, it's like, all that happened for me you know which sounds i don't know twisted backward upside down but i'm here and i'm aware and i'm willing to be here for everyone and you know whatever's required 
So I'm at, and at the moment, it's just like I'm here by myself. I'm here for myself for the next phase. So yeah, I re- I really want to support you and to tell me more about the next phase. But I feel like ricocheting back a little bit to because if your father took his life through his own fruition. Does that mean even if he had been taken over by a sacrificing being or a being that was destructive, that wasn't so earthly, and it was a being that comes into beings when they're in a severe state of... um, maybe being in the back of their head in their reptile brain or whatever, in fear or in shame or in feeling not enough. And this emotion led to this takeover. And this takeover led to jumping in that car and owning that and choosing to end it. Do you still feel that was his own choice? Um... Or do you see it very differently? I see it like there's kind of two different paths that he, on a very deep soul level, he chose because somebody has to wake up properly and the timing of it wasn't necessary for him. Um, That's one way. The other one, um, the emotional disruption, it was so intense that, you know, he got pushed completely off his own sentence, his own track, and he got taken out basically um, because it was too overwhelming for him. and that's that's the other path and i i can't really if i look at it from my perspective it's a, he chose it from a soul choice to leave because it put me through everything i need to know and um, wake up when i needed to wake up exactly at the right time and um and i don't really know from a father from a child's to a father perspective because i didn't actually really sense my father as a child i it's really weird because people say, oh, did you, did you miss your father? I said, no. I actually had more trauma and more suffering. I had, I had no trauma from him dying. I had trauma and suffering from the news being broken to me from my sisters and my mother and the amount of intensity of their emotional guilt went into my chest and the pain of that. I had bronchitis for five years and whooping cough every winter and I was coughing up phlegm every, every year. And I cleared that later on when I was in my twenties. I worked out what it was through some regression meditations and things. And so, trauma of a father passing is, is I don't think it exists. I think the emotional disturbance of not knowing why, um, and then buying into that and creating that emotional disturbance creates way more of a you know a throw off, so to speak. So um, for me, it was never about a loss of a father. It was more like the why are people so upset and so tr- and so intense in my body right now? And I think that's how sensitive humans really are as a child. So that's all it really was for me. I, one thing I do wish I had, which I've become more aware of now at my age, is um, somebody just to read to me, somebody just to spend some time with me and you know nail a bit, of, a nail a nail into a timber or read a book to me because those things is that I didn't get much attention. So I'm used to being alone. And um, I think there's something that would benefit from having that as a child, be more engaged with people, just as you know, family, um, doing the very, most simplest tasks that are a social task. 
And that's the only thing I think that would have improved or um, accelerated me now into just being more of me. And, but I'm aware of that. That's one thing I would have wished for, I guess. And do you have the ability to ask for that now? Yeah. Well, that's what you know, Lorna has been for me is um, showing, showing me that I didn't actually have any attention or didn't, you know, she reads to me or she will um, spend time with me. And um, it's like, oh, okay. And at a very simple level, and it's not always like that, but it's just sometimes it's, it's deliberate. And it's, it's like, oh, that's what that feels like. Okay. So it, it comes in, you know, from an adult to an adult rather than an adult to a child. It's still the being and it's still the body. So you can always receive what you have missed as a child and it can be a new experience as an adult. So yeah, it's, it's been fulfilled and acknowledged at this, at this age now. As I'm silent, just listening, hmm. I hear this cow that's just been moving. <laughs> for the last three hours and no again and it's it's so interesting because i'm aware that they're possibly they're very possibly bred and created for the purpose of being eaten and that's a lot of their purpose but i'm not Mm. that doesn't fully sit with me um because i feel them and when the farmer here said that when he takes the calves away from the moms at a couple of months old there's a period where the cow would kill before and behind her to get to that calf if there isn't high enough gates yeah yeah because they're separating them from being together and for the calf to, to get their their milk so they separate them and normally they might because they put them put the cow away to a shed or the calf away to a shed that's way away from houses because the the crying is so loud and mm. i've purposely asked them to like leave the animals there on that and if keep them as close as possible and not to be moving them for the pleasing of my ears because mm. if they're there i want to hear i want to hear what's happening i want to hear what's real i want to hear what what it's about instead yeah. of having all of these intellectual ideas of the system being corrupt and the agricultural system being corrupt and all of these layers of um, enslavement and cruelty to plants and animals. I want to see it. Yeah. And decode it yourself. Yeah. In my experience or else it's not so, um, it's not so tangible and it's not so, I don't feel it shifts or changes in my reality or it doesn't really support others, the intellectual side of it. I feel the experience really affects the field. Oh, and, yes. Yeah. yeah. And really just being aware of the crying and how the farmer sees he supports the animal through food or calling the vet. And maybe a lot of parents have done that to their children as well and brought them to the doctor's and supplied them with their groceries and being their delivery service from obstacle to obstacle, avoiding Mm. that present moment, not fully consciously choosing not to or to, 
and there is a big correlation between agricultural system and that enslavement. It's a lot more obvious in the agricultural system than enslavement. And that lack of honoring of sentiency. And there's obviously a hierarchy with humans to animals, to plants, to minerals. Hmm. Yes, when I say that animals and humans are equal, that doesn't also feel true either. Um, it feels different. And it also reminds me that I am and we are as a as a as a whole quite focused on human consciousness. The thing that I'm opening up to is consciousness, which I feel is different to human consciousness because it's kind of like being a straight man. You're only available to receive sexual energy from your chosen um sex and demograph. Yeah. When you're open to sex you you're then open to all forms of sex energy from every form of consciousness and you can yeah. then receive the consciousness of the animal and the plants and the well, yeah, the, the creative potential is the tantra is the sexual energy and everything that is living has that energy and that's very it has a lot of leverage that energy it, it's very healing and motivating and everything generates that. And I think that's, you know, if you had a lever and you lever something, it's a big lever. That's what this, the sexual energy or the tantric or the creative potential is. It's, it's a huge lever. So why not access all of it? Which, and what is that? That's, you know, consciousness is everything. So why not access all that energy? <laughs> it's free. It's there. <laughs> Definitely. And that also has a polarity as well, though, Josh. That is the polarity of then becoming aware of all of these plants that are being sprayed on to be killed. All, yeah. Um, even, yeah. even walking on the grass for me these days is like intellectually kind of coming to me like, so is this ground enjoying me standing on it? Does it enjoy it when it's more drier, when it's not so wet and I'm not mm. so compacting it? Um, it's going to points where the man next door wants to take this big concrete spherical bridge and put it in the drain that joins both of our properties together. And I was envisioning the tracks of the wheels as he dragged this big bridge as he <laughs> went down into the drain, ripping up the ground and all the potential habitats and animals that live on that drain edge. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, is this needed? Like, yes as he said, it's going to create a foundation so we won't have to fence it again for 20, 30 years. But is that required still to bring a machine on the land? And he's looking at me as if I've 10 heads because, <laughs> because to put a machine on the land is obvious. Of course, you land the machines. That's, 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 yeah, obvious. Well, that, that's what you do. Like, are you, are you crazy? And yeah, I, he 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 who senses the rhythms of the earth is mad to the person who drives a tractor across it without questioning it. So of course, you're 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 in a different universe. You are your universe, and I think the 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 easiest one is yes, polarity um, is always going to occur every time you rub up against um, anything that's programmed, i.e., you know, animals that have been bred for slaughter. Um, and are encapsulated all the time or chickens or those kind of things or even humans most humans are programmed so every time you rub up, rub up against them the program of duality plays out and if 
you know, you are the center and you're aware of the, the duality, yes, you're going to feel the, the, the polarity is the, 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 you know, the male, female aspects of the whole. And so if you see them playing out, you balance out obviously everything around you because all the things that are acting in duality, your polarity is balancing out one aspect of them and all you have to do is remain in your center. And, you know, and I see the farmer, it's like the farmer's, do, do, do. I'm so proud of my machine and this is going to, I'm progressing and this is going to be so good and my neighbor's going to love this. And maybe it's like, okay, what, what's possible here <laughs> What's with this guy? You might sense this earth screaming. It's like, yep, it's going to do it anyway. The earth's going to heal itself. It's smart. It knows what it's been. It's been doing this for centuries and centuries. Okay, what's this farmer? Like, what can I do? What can I be now? Or what can I do right, right now? You know, you might throw your energy at him. He might go, he might have a sudden awakening. Or you might throw your energy or have a conversation with him. And I don't know, maybe it'll change something. I don't, I don't really know. But that's the, that's the only point. Otherwise, the only thing I would do would be getting pissed off at him. Well, maybe you need to get pissed off at him. <laughs> well, I, may- I, 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 it, it did result in that after a lot of different things of him getting um, rather pissed off because I was just showing him a lot of obscenities. And obviously it was all coming up for him, but I was also like, I've got to be authentic here because this big fucking... W- half a ton bridge is going to be put down into this drain because that's what he sees to be good for the land not consciously aware I don't feel of the other things that have gone on in the land other than the grass and the top layer of soil and the water Yeah, and I'm opening up and feeling into the layers of the earth that what's going on underneath and I'm feeling like I'm a portal and I'm nearly like a I'm nearly like an advocate of the land of the moment in terms of there's definitely beings and seeds of me in there that are like whoa we might get some space to be birthed here we might get there's versions of me that are like fuck this there's there's soon going to be a safe space for me to exist here for me to come into form and Mm. be safe and grow and this person seems like he wants to put in this bridge that feels like it's destroying that in some way. Is he going to do it anyway? No, he can't, you see, because it's on, it's like, it's, it's called a mayor and border, so he can't do it without both of our permissions. Yeah. So the yeah. way I navigated it was, it's not a no, Mr. X, and it's not a yes, and it's not a definite yes. And I said, when it's a definite yes, we'll do it. And I'm not stopping you. I'm just saying, let's just sit with it and see if something more um, gentler on the land comes in that can still give us what we need here. So let's just leave it and come back to it. Perfect. And and see what opens up. And that that, that was really good. And it kind of distracted him in some way to like just him firing his energy into the next thing that needs to be done. Because it's remembering a lot of these people, for example, this man doesn't know how to stop. Um, hmm. he's, he's in his late 60s, say he's 70 and he's very fit and strong and he's been building roads and being a mechanic and bus driving all of his life and he's a very fit, moving man who it's probably difficult enough for him to get going in the morning but once he gets going, is he fuck stopping? Like, you know, he's, he's trashing oats all day like and he's, I was inspired by him this year. I, 
I definitely embodied a lot of versions of him that resulted in me moving very fast yeah. and very disembodied at times because it's very alluring the the trashing old man because he gets a lot done. He yeah. He, He's fucking, he's got his hands in a lot of pies and he's, he's affecting a lot of things at a certain level. You know what I see possible for you is, um, like the the question is what energy, space and consciousness, consciousness can I be for me, my land and my neighbors and their land? So, because I sense that you're engaged with him and his energy is connecting to you and you've done it very neutrally, like you're, you've just brushed up against him. You're saying, no, it's not a no or a yes, but if there is a yes, I'll get, we'll do something. But what happens is you're actually contacted him energetically. And if you're at that level by asking the question, um, there may be more interactions, all your energy will go out through their fields their physical field and also their energetic field. And that actually may, you know, imagine what would it take if you, what would happen if you changed every single farm around you to be the way you function? That would, I would see if that actually happened or how long it took it to happen. The moment it all solidified as all of them changing around you, that would be a wildfire. It would just spread instantly, almost overnight across the land. Because fundamentally, you know, this is all the boundaries of fences and, lineages and all that stuff but you seem to be perfectly in the middle brushing up against them and seeing witnessing them but not condemning them and they're kind of accepted so there's a there's something going on there at a very deep and long-term level which is i think great for um, what you who you are and what they could be and who they really are and you could i think you could influence that quite you know over slowly chip it away at it (laughs) 100% 100% like it's something my friend Matcha said is like you take slurry off the land and you take machines off the land it would probably take 20 years for the toxins to finally get fully release itself from this area of land and then during that process it'll eventually be affecting the lands around it because they're only separated by fence and boundaries there's the soil and trees and plants there's no disconnection like yeah. the mycelium of the trees, they're they're all sending messages to each other. They're they're already sending messages to each other as it is of the change. Because if the land has received slurry at this time every year for the last how probably 50, 60 years, and before that, an ass and cart with a fork where it was shoveled at. Yeah. <laughs> so this is the first year where it's not getting that those chemicals. And maybe in a way it's annoyed. Maybe the land is addicted to these um chemicals and um slurries and maybe at first it'll be like what the fuck are you doing because we're used to this there's a change yeah, going get, on here you might get angry i get you know when you do a detox you get angry your liver gets angry the the powerhouse of the body so the mitochondria and the soil are doing different things different microbes it might get angry and you might feel that one day oh that's a good sign though because it's going to tip over and start doing something different the energy's going to tip and that's great it is great. And the thing I feel that it needs space to do that. It's like it, it, to, to a certain point I can support it to be and do and do what I can do for it to remove the things that I'm supporting that are getting in its way. But then it gets to a point where oh. I need to get out of the way of it as well. I feel 
Yes, uh, I believe I believe totally believe that. I've had experiences with that. Um, so yeah. I'm definitely moving into that energy right now, where I'm getting kind of to the edge of preventing others from coming in and doing the things that they were doing. The agricultural grants that I get paid to keep the land in agricultural habitat, that's one that I still haven't fully worked out because because these are words and I actually looked up the documentation to what I sign into every year to get this money. And I don't have to have any animals do anything. I just need to keep the land in agricultural habitat. And these are words, but it's definitely got an energy field to this agreement that you're signing to that it also says that an assessor can come out at any time and assess the land and come in with your with or without your permission. So it also yeah. feels me into something that maybe Lorna mentioned before about the importance of gates and boundaries on our land in the future with the changeovers that are going to be happening. So maybe in some way, me letting go of this money that other people, even very equal people are like, are you fucking crazy? Take that four and a half grand and dig ponds and support the habitat for habitats to come in. But in mm. a way that nearly feels for me, again, I'm putting my idea again on what the land needs, just like Mr. Well, yeah, yeah, you're, you're, you're slapping on, you're affecting, you're going to do physical, physically affect the land because you've been influenced by money and a contract and a perception of how it's supposed to be fulfilled. So you by default do something. Yes, and valuing and the, valuing that money yeah. that, 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 that has a way of affecting the land in a beautiful way again, but working again from that agricultural system that you're getting away from. It feels yeah. like another tread of the, of the claw, um, yet it's not as um, excitingly clear. Yeah. It's obvious it's a, that I... Yeah, it's a tough choice. And, um, you know, ultimately the, the land used to be... At, one stage used to be called uh, a loyal title, which meant it was your land. Uh, really, it's your land. But now they've changed it into properties, or especially in Australia, it's you. Know, you got a you got an RP data and has a has a lot number. And but what happens is they've changed it to a certain point where the council can now um, you know they have a contract by fixing your road and they supply water to your property and. Um, but they have rights to get into your property and that's really contract law which says they have a right to your land and because it's not a loyal title anymore because they have right to your land if you do something wrong in the eyes of the law or you owe them money they can take you to court to get their debt back and if you can't pay them that debt back they can force your property to go to sale to repay the debt it's crazy and so the less contracts you have, it's a less likely for them to come onto your land to take it or to do something stupid. And you know, so that, that's the benefit of having less contracts. But we still aren't back to where we or could be where we should be, which is this is my land. Nobody can ever enter it because I am the guardian of this land and planet. So we're, we're still not there. So there, there is benefits to having less contracts. Obviously, money is another factor for where you're at. So it's um, it, 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 the other layer of it is then across the bypass, there's a big road that splits the land in half. There's um, yeah. 17 acres of trees that are eight years old and they were planted with government subsidies and they give me money each year, 2,700 euro as a payment 
for these trees to grow for the 15 to 20 years. Hmm. You're not obliged to cut them down when they're at their full growth, but they support you with a thinning grant. They support you to cut them and they support you to replant them. Hmm. So the energy that I'm going into with that at the moment is of if I let go of these grants here on this land, this contractual agreement, the Ag Department of Agriculture still pay me money for the next 10 years for these trees to be growing. Mm. So my wonder is now when I call up the agricultural world and say to them, if I don't want this money every year that you give to me, and obviously they'll laugh at me and they'll be like, what the, what you mean you don't want the money? <laughs> you don't have to do anything. Um, <laughs> what if I don't want the money? What does this mean? That is the, uh, well, ultimately money exchanging hands is enforcing the contract, is, that is the contract. That's the very basic. As soon as you give somebody a dollar for whatever you use in Ireland, you, you give a dollar for an apple, uh, at the, as a, now it's become as a legal tender. You've contracted with that person. That's how money works. It's um, at the very base level. So if you, don't, if you say, I don't want your money, there still needs to be the contract level, which is, okay, there's been a signed contract somewhere here. How, you still have to ask them the question, does this contract still apply now? And now you're open to, now you're renegotiating the contract, which is, they might say, oh, if you don't accept the money, we just cancel the contract, sign this form, please. And you make a declaration, blah, blah, blah. That might be the outcome, I'm not quite sure. Or they might say, you know, you might say, well, I don't want the money anymore. Um, is there still any contractual agreements bound to me? And if we can't delete them, what's bound to me? And they might tell you all the things they can do. And then you realize the real hidden um, underlying tone that they have with the contract when you ask those questions. So it's very powerful to say, I don't want the money. What is the contract? And asking questions towards them because it, it gets them to respond. They have to respond because that's how contracts work. It works in two parties. So you, you can find out some deeper stuff by asking. You can just always ask the question. Yeah, definitely ask the question because it is really surprising that you tap into these fields of energy like I did last year. Like I knew that having cows in the sheds, supporting the agricultural system and renting the land was still not where I wanted it to be. But I felt mm. that I was also putting my ideas of my travel self that wasn't here in Ireland and coming back and making big changes and not actually being here to fully see and realize what's actually happening in case there was a magic going on that I wasn't seeing. Yeah, and yeah. I've been here a year now. I've been here six seasons and I've felt into it and I've been experiencing it and I'm ready to let that go now. I no longer need the land to go through these um, controls and contracts to pay me to consume. Um, mm. If I don't have these contracts being paid to me and these rents being paid to me, I will receive the money that I need to purchase and receive what I need and desire and want. Whether if I let that go, it's, so it's letting go of that knowing where it's coming from. That abundance will come once you're being that field, that, um, that, 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 that abundance will come to me. But I've got yeah. to trust obviously in that unknown and there's, 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 um, there's that transformation. Yeah, yep, I get you. Sometimes you can, Sometimes one thing is coming in while you're leaving. Sometimes you cut one off and then 
then the next one comes, then the other energy or support comes in afterwards. So yeah, whatever you're most um, adept with or dealing with or comfortable with will occur, I think, by asking that question. It's like, how do we create abundance here? And then, yeah, the next thing comes in. It might be money, it might be materials. Um, it's, yeah, um, it might it's, be crypto. It might exactly. be crypto. <laughs> exactly. Crypto. Um, I, I feel we'll slide into that in a minute. There's one thing I just wanted to say about the, the maintaining while you're in that transformation. Like, for example, I'm going around the fence lines and I'm trimming back. Now it's spring. I'm trimming back the brambles and the bushes and the white thorns very empathetically, just about an inch or two back from the fence. So when I, if, if the fence does go on to hold an electric boundary to keep animals out or in, that it's still maintained that all these branches and bushes aren't going to be touching it and getting electrocuted and grounding it out when it goes on. Yeah, and that in the summer will also be a lot more growth and more intense. It's a lot more, so much more work to cut back the fence. Where in spring, it's at a point where it's 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 soft and easy, and so I'm not going back and cu- pulling things at their roots or trimming things back a couple of feet because I don't know what's going to come next year or in the next few yeah. months when I shoot when I make, when these changes are made. Will there be wild animals inside these boundaries that? are in danger outside these boundaries to the people that don't want them to exist or Mm. will there be some domesticated animals on the process of wilding themselves that need these boundaries or maybe these these fences will come down and there won't be a need for these fences at all and if i trim back these bushes too much there won't be a need for it so let's just cut what's needed for now and see what happening happens in the movement to the next stage because i w- i don't know what what support i need and the space needs in terms of boundaries going into hmm. the next level i'm not going to take down every boundary like i did when i first came here to open up every gate and bring in ev- let everything in because it's okay to maintain a bit of boundary in that process to 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 hold that bit of an equilibrium because you are taking on a system and a belief system that has been Mm. believed for hundreds and thousands of years by majority of the people Mm. all around you. That is a force. Like that is a, yeah, it's it's a huge one. And there's there's two, there's two things with the fence. Um, Yeah. The first one is asked the question is what would it take for the earth and all of consciousness to maintain my boundaries? Because you want to maintain for now at least. And that might make other creatures or the world happier because the animals can eat around the boundaries, whatever it is. But you're asking for them to be maintained. But there's also the other one, which is I've the way I've interacted with people, I think energetically on the planet, people are trying to dissolve boundaries. And that's what you are experiencing. However, people don't really understand the energetics of boundaries. So having a fence, when somebody steps oversteps the boundaries, you just say, oh, this is my fence line, and they see it, right? And then what happens is they retract their energy automatically. So in some ways, fences are really beneficial to who you are and what you're doing. And um, it, people will automatically agree to it because it's the collective field. Everybody collectively agrees to that. So they kind of come in line when if they overstep their boundaries, literally. So boundaries are really healthy, not for you, not for, sorry, for you, so that they because they recognize them it's really a weird system so for me i'm like fences are great and also legally there's all sorts of things with you know australia if you have a a plaque on your fence that says it says lock the gate it's a very specific term they used 
for um for if you if the lock gate is locked legally through a supreme court or a high court i can't remember what it was if you jump that fence somebody can say to you, somebody can shoot you because they that that plaque means it's a really simple yellow plaque it says lock the gate in australia and if you jump a fence you can be shot on site not you wouldn't but that's the legal boundary you've jumped and the reason that um that plaque has been created also is not because the people have created it it's but because the elite love those things because they can lock their gates and if you jump a fence you know they'll hit you as hard as they want to to make, um, secure their property so there are certain things you use because the elite are currently using it and it, it creates a certain amount of I don't know, buffer for i don't know just the average silly person trying to jump your fence or a contractor trying to jump your fence i don't know if you have it in the same in ireland but that's what you have here in australia and they, they there's a there's an energetic bounce they bounce off the fence because it's like oh i shouldn't go over this fence because there's a sign there and you know it's the, the law i guess is behind you in that way so boundaries are good in some ways but i get what you're saying if there's no boundaries there's a whole new f- a possibility that goes on energetically that can occur and it's even my hands right now are really really swelled um i i put honey on them last night which is a anti-inflammatory i thought um I feel to feel better yet they're very swelled and it's definitely a reminder to remember like I touch millions of things every day and it's only when your hands are swelled you remember like fuck how many things do I touch and mm. I feel it's partly to do with the trimming of these boundaries even though I'm doing it really gently and empathetically obviously nature has ways of spiking you and swelling you and maybe I have touched a poisonous thing that my body is in some way um, 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 healing um, someone else might go to the doctor and get an antibiotic for this, but I probably just prodded a bramble or another um, species that have released a protective substance to hmm. to my hands. And it could be also other things I let go. It could hmm. also be the dog poo on my gloves or uh, who knows. <laughs> um, anyways, um, boundaries are really interesting for me because... I've become re- realized that the privacy and the boundaries are really important for people looking in that aren't choosing hmm. what I'm choosing. When I first came back here to Ireland, I wanted to show everything that was happening in Eden Heart Space to inspire and to show and to really, we're here, I'm here. Where now, when I feel into the vulnerability of the process, that's happening with the land and how it's letting go of the toxins and the controls. And that's obviously going to attract in beings that are also at that same stage of letting go of all these things that don't serve them and awakening to who they really are. That, that, um, that can be really supported by boundaries and privacy. And yeah, I can see even like I've been, there's a guy up in Donegal who has created, has a 23 acre woodland and he has rewilded wolves and bears and deer and uh, wild boar and a for, and a type of monkey and rescued them from around Europe. They're extinct in Ireland. There were one species of here. Um, I don't know if I, I told you this already in this conversation or not, but Ireland used to be um, rainforest. 
Yeah, we did have a previous conversation about how wild it was in yeah, foresties. Yeah, forest. Yeah, um, and that was the one thing that the next door neighbor said to me. Is that I know he said I know I heard overheard you saying things about wolves early on before. He said I don't have a gun, but I would make sure that 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 wolf would come and murder a person. So I will make sure that will be solved if you were to bring wolves here. And mm. in a way that kind of symbolized, for me, I felt that the wild side of him and me were not welcome around here. And mm. if I'm going to be supporting this space to be wild and not everyone around me is going, maybe going to be choosing that, what how can i allow this space to support itself in that journey of rewilding mm. so it's well, safe yeah. and i get the the awareness is pretty simple for me is when you say wild i get freedom for chaos and um but that's with when if you open up the door for freedom to chaos because the wild side of people is a reptilian aspect and most people uh, uh they usually have too much judgment to go crazy or wild and so if you support that, they will go wild and their chaotic nature will come out and won't actually serve in harmonics in terms of getting things done when they need to get done and being harmonic with the land and the people. So the only wild aspect I think is actually really serves is the, the plant life, the wildlife, the plant life. Because if you bring in the plant life organically, the, the, plant, the wild comes into the edge of the plants and there's a communication going on. And there's an honoring to that point to try to get out of humans engaged with that will disturb that. And it's better of having the purity of one person who's very clear about how much wild comes into your property. And I think other people who are just honoring the plants and the earth is one of the best places people can start off with because they become grounded and present and they're not engaging in the reptilian mind. They're engaging in their, um, well, they are when they're connecting with the earth. They're, they're chilling it out. They're becoming really slow down. They're starting to open up their perception. So, earth and trees for most people when they're invited onto land, but um, for the actual real wild, ferocious fire, um, darkness of a wolf coming through your property, most people can't handle that because if you're running that process with them, they're going to be freaking out. <laughs> you know, because they're connected to you. So, it's like, I think if you work with the plants and then you have your own secret space time with the animal kingdom to come into those plant um, boundaries, then that's going to be a stronger process. And I think that's very sacred to you because that dialogue is very few and far between, let alone people, most people aren't really willing to learn that, let alone it to be a reality. So I think if it stays as your reality, and keep people with the plants and the earth. That's um, a very healthy dynamic you'll achieve for everyone, <laughs> especially for yourself. Yeah, and and it's really interesting how it's been placed that the land is split in half, the twenty acres on one and one on the other. And one one side is we've got houses ar around us, yet it's quite separated, about five hundred meters. And this is where the boundaries are quite important, and where it's not so welcome to the wild side and the space is quite open to all views due to there's no, no high where we're at the highest point of the road. So it's very on view yet across mm. the road road on across the bypass is the wild side. It's the 17 acres of trees, no houses around for a long way, one house within a kilometer away. 
that you, they can see certain parts of it, but most of it they can't. And mm. it feels that maybe the other versions of the wildness and the animal kingdom will be able to roam freer there. It's, I've already found bones of a deer there already where someone must have shot them. Um, yeah. So that, even... That, yeah. that, sounds like, that sounds like that's your future and those who can handle the wildness um, go to that area. That's what it sounds like. It's, it's like the innermost sanctum of um, people who can handle that aspect. Definitely you and sounds like your partner. And, um, you know, as people come through, you'll work out those who can go more into that area, that space. That's what it sounds like. It's like your future self. Yeah, and the, the places, it's growing. Of course, it's eight years old, the forest, and the land is so, so beautiful there. It's so well-draining. It's very in flow. It, it, it's solid most, all year round, nearly. Yes, the driveways in from both sides aren't supported by stone and available so it would take either me coming in with wheelbarrows of stone slowly over a long period of time to eventually fill this road that when I was designing the forest I allowed the width of a I said an airplane so no matter what my life turned into <laughs> that the driveway would allow up to an airplane to get in <laughs> along the driveway to get to the top of this hill where it's very it's you're surrounded by trees and it's like a four acre area at the top and it's as if the support isn't there to allow me in and my cousins that rented out the land last year they put down a bit of stone on the on the as you go in the gate so they could put in their trailer to drop off their cows and i hmm. reversed in my va flow my camper van there a few days ago and i parked there and i it was my first opportunity to get a home in past the gate within a couple of meters and the bypass is still within a couple of meters of me. So it's not comfortable to, to stay there in the van because mm. the road noise is so noisy. I need to get way up that 400 meter driveway that hasn't been surfaced or supported to get in there. And it's like my yeah. nose is in there yet. I don't, it doesn't feel good to go, go paying a machine and dropping off all the stone to pave my way in. I really would yeah. love for it to be more in joy and more in flow that support to me getting in there and not so pushed. Um, maybe I'll be coming in there on, a, on my friend, the horse, that'll support me in and out. Or maybe I'll find another way of going in there. And maybe I'll, maybe I'll need less to get to the top of that hill. Maybe I'll just be a TP. It'll be enough for me up there. Maybe walking in. Yeah. And maybe I won't need to be there all the time, that it's just a space of wildness and a space that I'll have that will still allow me to interact with the world and Matrix and still have Eden Heart space here that's accepted by the world and able to slowly breathe out gently, as yeah. you said before. And maybe the dragon can be across the rules in terms of its <laughs> fiery nature. Yeah, I think um, so. Um. Have you tuned in to the dinosaur world? No, not at all. It doesn't work for me, just generally. I just don't. I just going into it, looking into it, tuning into it, just doesn't work for me. And what does that say to you? 
it says that it's like when somebody said to me in a workshop said, uh, what do you think about Christ energy? I went, I said, I've never met him. (laughs) 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 It's like, so, you know, even if there are dinosaur bones in the earth, I haven't actually dug them up. I haven't seen them. So me to interact with them, there's no living record going on or a a being that shared a record a verbal transmission that's come through cellular memory or remembrance or a vision or something. But for me, it's just a book. People dig it up. It's a reptilian thing. It's all about lizards and reptiles. That's great. But how do I benefit from this? You know, I feel like I get way more joy from a bear or a fox or a wolf or a cassowary in Australia. Um, And what is there? What's living and interactive? That's, that's me. only thing that is because it's a question i put up i was like what would it take to remember dinosaurs and I actually spelt it wrong i spelt it with an a instead of an o which was interesting when megan identified that and <laughs> maybe there's a maybe there's a question also which possible is are dinosaurs an implant yes are they an implant into our into our an, an insert history, yeah insert into the history yeah. to, to throw us off yeah and that sit is, with that question yeah yeah it, it, it is are, are dinosaurs an insert um the only the only awareness that i've kind of got was kind of like an inkling was with the chickens because they're in terms of how a dinosaur is drawn they have a similar way of um legs and yeah i get you there's a little bit of a, a dinosaurness to that but i let that go as well there's the chickens are also very reptile um they're like for me like very vulnerable very vu- vulnerable beautiful <laughs> playful reptiles um <laughs> which they're not they're 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 birds right they're yeah yeah well if you're uh, in, if you're in a if you're in a space or if you're ever come across plant medicines on the land you know if you were in a very good space and you were meditating you connected into the earth i'm sure the earth would communicate to you what dinosaurs really were at a at a deep vision level i think that's possible if if you got nothing at all and it just you know the earth threw back a pie in your face, you know it's just a, it's just saying that's just a pile of shit. But um, you know if you access something that's in a remembrance of the earth, the earth would you'd be able to access it and the earth would tell you. Then Thank it's you. your direct connection to history. Yes, his story, his story. Yes, that, that and that that is something that I'm delving into is history and Irish history. Yet not owning it and letting it go because, if, like, even for example, that Ireland was a rainforest and that these animals were originally here before they became extinct and how they did. I'm also hearing that from a story of this rewilding process in Donegal that resonates with me and feels true now until mm. I receive some more information from someone else or something else that resonates with me because it's not history that I want, it's more remembering. So I can actually be aware, put my awareness into it so I can actually make a change and remember. Mm. Um, I think that that aspect of you remembering and accessing the wild nature of the earth and its consciousness is where it's at. And, and everything unfolds from there because it's not about human to humans because humans have forgotten. We're not, we don't remember from our own access to our own, you know, our own divinity within um for, there's an example i remember when i came to um, a town up on the tablelands years and years ago 
I was kind of stuck in the city energy a little bit. I was definitely in my own space, a lovely space. And I brushed up against this guy in a shop, a very small shop in a town. And this wave of like ancient rainforest came across me. And I felt like I imposed upon his energy, you know, and I realized I asked the person, so where, where does that person live? He said, Oh, they live up in the forest. <laughs> and I sensed from him this ancient forest. So his communication automatically came through. And um, I think he was accessing a certain amount of ancient knowledge. So he would know what's going on. And so I was like, okay, what would it take for me to be in that space? So that's, you know, that's how it transmits really. And that's pulled me into wanting to know more about it. Uh, so I think if you're choosing to go into it, it does also affect people when they sense that wild knowing about you. They go, well, he knows something about the earth that I don't know. That's enough. That's it. You know, then they might go do it. That's the remembrance. Individually, we choose. I feel enthralled to ask you about crypto. However, I'm wondering, do you need to, do you need, need anything right now? I'm aware of the families going, where's Josh, where's Josh, where's Josh? <laughs> For the last half an hour. <laughs> I can feel them pulling on me. Um, I'm going to have dinner when I go downstairs. So um, to finish shortly, it'll be good. Perfect. Um, no, that, 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 that's what I, that's what I, that's what I needed. Um, yeah. Maybe we, 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 we don't need to go into the crypto world at all this time. Maybe, maybe we can have a, another um, conversation podcast at another time. Maybe when it's more aligned and maybe when there's, um, maybe uh, yeah. cr crucial information that we may like to share with the public that can be of support and it'd be good for us all to to delve into that because we haven't delved into it together for a long while so it'll be an opportunity for us to delve into that and see what it is and what's kind of going on yeah i think it'd be great i mean uh we could do a short crypto powwow <laughs> crypto powwow yeah definitely um, that'd be amazing because yeah, I, I I'd like that at some point. It, it doesn't feel needed right now, and yeah. if, if, if I got the awareness that you need to pee, but maybe maybe it was the awareness that you're you're needed for other things. Um, this um has been a pleasure delving through all of these um realms and areas. Um, <laughs> I, I I've um I definitely have a lot more clarity and in vision and few keys that have just turned a little bit that i'm really interested in continuing to feel the turn with them um and i really appreciate your attention and presence and your gentleness your 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 gentleness has come into my awareness a lot in the last um week or so on how you navigate so gently and redefining what a gentle gentle being or a gentle man is um because um i feel like there's a real redefinition for that because a lot of men are disgusted with um, what a gentleman is—it doesn't sit with them. But there's a re mm. we we can still be gentlemen, um, and it be really empowering and really aligned and embodied and gorgeous. Yeah, for sure. Well, I've I've enjoyed the conversation, and it's um, yeah, just like rehashed to that where you, what you're doing is awesome, and where we're going, and um, everything's everything's going the way it's supposed to, and we can definitely by having conscious conversations, uh, you know. I don't know, a friendly friendliness so, and knowing that there's more out there and people are actually doing it. Yeah, and that's, it's, that's okay. We're allowed to have that enjoyment. Yeah. <laughs>
Um, I'm going to literally stop the recording and stop our conversation both at once. Um, thank you, Michael. Thank you. Have a nice evening. We'll see you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.